0: Lifestyle Matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli and filling in for Dave Popovich is Liana Wojniak. Liana, welcome.
1: Thank you, Faisal. Happy Saturday.
0: This Is, is that our first time
1: doing this? I think it's our second time. Second time, time now. Together. Yeah.
0: This is fantastic because um, not only do I get a smarter individual beside me, <laughs> uh, I get one that I can actually have a real conversation with. This is really good. So um, we had a very interesting week before we jump into what's some of the biggest economic and financial news stories for the week. Uh, we've got a great show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Here's an interesting thing. A taxpayer tries to claim parking cost as a medical expense.
2: Mm-hmm. That
0: caught our attention in one of the news stories. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Jamie Golenbeck, one of our reoccurring tax experts, mm-hmm. talk about, can you do this? Mm-hmm. How, how does it work? And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I didn't know you could also deduct parking costs in some right. form. So yeah. you, can, you can have that conversation. And, of course, we, we talked about this on Friday, you and I. Super ager.
1: Mm-hmm. I heard that term and I was excited to learn about it because I want to be a super ager if I can.
0: You want to be a super
1: ager? That sounds like a good thing, right? I like the word super. I don't know about ager.
0: <laughs> you know that's Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's so, fair. So that's I think fair. we need to look yeah. at, at what a super ager is. How do you become one? Mm-hmm. Um, it is a concern for many Canadians mm-hmm. uh, looking at the aging process and yeah I want to be a super, Adrian. We're mm-hmm. hearing that mm-hmm. more and more. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about what is it? Do you want to be part of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why is it so super? Mm-hmm. You know that's gonna be a great <laughs> a great show today. Um, this week, uh, you had the opportunity to be on on media and speak to uh, the public about some of the key big stories. One of mm-hmm. them uh, that came up was inflation. What's mm-hmm. your take on that?
1: So, of course, the big headline this week about Canadian inflation numbers, six point three percent was the last read it's in line with expectations so what that really means and the question is what does it mean like is inflation going up or down it's trending downwards now we're starting to see that kick in what does that mean for average everyday Canadians partly that we start to see prices come down in some of those sectors but the other main thing is that it will play into the interest rate increase that the bank of Canada announces next week so the question is, are we going to see another 25 basis point increase or will it be different? Yeah. Market is betting strongly now that we will see 25 basis points. Yeah, and I think that
0: was priced even before the recent inflation numbers that came in. That is going to happen. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the Bank of Canada has said they're going to try to do everything they can to contain inflation. The mm-hmm. interesting thing that people need to realize that when you're looking at inflation in Canada, mm-hmm. it had, they have a different mandate. The Bank of Canada has a different mandate uh, than the than the Federal Reserve of the United States. Right. The Federal Reserve of the United States has to look at two major metrics, um, inflation and jobs. Mm-hmm. So employment. In ba- At the Bank of Canada, it is only an inflation mm-hmm. mandate. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not required to focus on employment. Mm-hmm. So when we hear about the employment numbers in this country, mm-hmm. um, it's not part of the mandate for the Bank of Canada. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing that was interesting with this inflation number that came out um, when you look at it from an economic perspective. And I and I use the analogy, uh, Leanna, growing up, I would I would uh, I would have my parents come into my room, I'd open the door and I'd go, Mom, Dad, look, I cleaned my room, big smile on my face. <laughs> I got, you know, I'd look, ta-da, uh-huh. right? That kind of and then they're like.
1: Yeah, yeah, we expected that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. this is not, you're, yeah.
0: you're not You're not doing anything uh, You know, yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah. You should be cleaning your yeah. room. And I'm like, and I took out the garbage out mm-hmm. of my room. And they're like,
1: yeah, we kind yeah, of expected meeting that. meeting expectations. That's there. exactly <laughs> yeah. what
0: the market said about inflation numbers this week that's being right. the Bank of Canada. It is expected. Mm-hmm. You cleaned your room. Mm-hmm. You took out the garbage. Mm-hmm. Faisal, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Market says, Bank of Canada. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. No big surprise. That's right. Now, if I cleaned my room, took out the garbage and rearranged the pantry so everything's looking great, mm-hmm. my parents would have been, wow. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. moment, if the markets would have been reacting with a wow, if there was some other economic indicator that said to them, things are actually improving for the benefit of pricing investments at this point in time. Right. And that's not happening. Right. The other part I wanted to mention with you is, do you believe, that this number on the inflation rate is the actual inflation rate that people experience?
1: No, it's, an, it's a headline, it's an average, and it's not everybody's personal inflation rate is different. So what you buy is a major factor of what you're experienced personally as your, as your inflation rate. So mine could be very different than yours, and it's, it's an it depends answer on that one.
0: So what we've done in the past with clients is we've introduced them to an a inflation calculator. Mm-hmm. And the inflation calculator allows you, and it's done by the Bank of Canada and Stats Canada, that you can plug in your information. Mm-hmm. And let me give an example. There are many Canadians who think inflation is 100% in their, in their circumstance as they see as the headline number. Mm-hmm. And then when you start digging through how inflation is calculated, one, for example, a very large percentage is rent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But what if you don't pay rent mm-hmm. or gasoline? Mm-hmm. What if you have an electric vehicle? Mm-hmm. Then your own personal inflation rate would be different. Mm-hmm. People who buy groceries more than they eat out or you know, skip the dishes and stuff like mm-hmm. that had a higher inflation rate because mm-hmm. food costs went up for groceries but the restaurants were burying some of that cost, so you can keep going to that Coming customer. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, is your inflation rate the real inflation rate that mm-hmm. we hear at the Bank of Canada? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. And you're you're right with that. So I I strongly suggest that people really understand what their true inflation rate number is because people will react mm-hmm. different.
1: Well, and when you think about it, the Biggest part of this last decrease was gasoline prices. They came down 13% month over month. If you drive your vehicle, if you have a gas powered vehicle and you drive it a lot, that's a huge number for you personally. Yeah. If you take transit or walk or don't drive a vehicle that needs gasoline, zero, zero impact to you. So,
0: yeah. So, yeah. learn what your inflation yeah. rate is helps you understand what your expenses will be alike, so you can cash flow manage on a day-to-day basis but also planning for long-term expenses because mm-hmm. there are people who will say well if inflation is above six percent let's put that number in my expectation of future income in retirement
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you are going to be very disappointed if you use six percent inflation rate numbers
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and tr- that means you have to get more than six on average every year which means you're going to take on more risk mm-hmm. because bonds and GICs are four percent. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you buy a GIC, you're going to go broke safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If you if you buy bonds, you're going to go broke mm-hmm. safely. So you have to take on more risk, mm-hmm. and that may not be the right strategy yeah. because you're using a number that may not be realistic to your situation.
1: That's right. That's where it gets scary. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I think that's that's kind of the key part there. Um, uh, other news stories that came up as well for you uh, this week.
1: Uh, we had some U.S. economic data. Now, there's a couple of different directions that we we saw it going. So, labor market showing still very tight, very strong, but weakening or softening in things like housing, manufacturing, retail sales, all reported losses. Yeah. So,
0: how do you digest that information when you see that 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 uh, divergence between the two data points? Mm-hmm. What do you What do you take it as?
1: So, the typical reaction that we see is oh my god, employment is too high, we're worried about the labor market, we're going to have to raise interest rates further, it's kind of a, we need to slow down the economy further reaction. There's a flip side to that though, and the flip side to that is, it's a point of strength that might actually facilitate the Fed managing something close to the soft landing that they're looking for.
0: And I think that's what what the market was saying, okay, maybe there's going to be a soft landing, and maybe... Is the key word mm-hmm. because they're looking at earnings and they're saying our earnings going to continue to rise mm-hmm. or stay the same, and then what kind of multiple do you to put mm-hmm. on it? And that's why we saw some of the big companies, tech companies, laid off a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. or announced layoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's impacting uh, to some degree mm-hmm. of how how people see it. I, I look at employment a little bit different. When you're coming out of a pandemic, and I'll take I'll take our business alone here, uh, Leanna, I, I will say. That if we, if we were to, let's say we wanted to lay off
1: people, mm-hmm.
0: the chances of us laying off people, knowing that we have people who are sick,
1: mm-hmm. who've got
0: things that are happening at home mm-hmm. and they can't be in the office. Mm-hmm. We need that coverage. Mm-hmm. Think about a retail location mm-hmm. or a fast food chain mm-hmm. or whatever. Are you going to let go of people when mm-hmm. you know you've got what we call illness or the, the mm-hmm. COVID le- a hangover mm-hmm. where people are missing work? Mm-hmm. If a person is not feeling well, we tell them, stay home. Mm-hmm but they still there's still work to be done so you're mm-hmm. not going to lay off
1: people. Well, and that's the other thing. They were so difficult to bring on in the first place during the pandemic there was such a hard time hiring people that employers are unwilling to let them go. Yeah. It's cuz they'll may just have to hire them again in the future.
0: Yeah, and try finding them again. And try finding them one. again. Yeah. Uh Liana, they we talked about this at the beginning of the show about this terminology or term called super agent. Mhm you said you'd like to be a super ager.
1: Sounds great.
0: You know, the biggest fear that I think many of our clients and listeners of the show uh, have about aging is that they'll might lose one or the other.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And the one would be the physical capabilities, Mm -hmm. Uh, two is the mental
1: faculties. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you had to choose one Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and only one, would you want your mental
1: faculties
0: or your physical capabilities?
1: Well, that's a good question. Obviously, I'd like to keep both if I could. Yeah, but I, I think can't if cheat I cheat <laughs> on, the answer. I ask one or the other If I had to pick one, I think I would pick keeping my mental faculties. I would too. Yeah,
0: I would too. You know, when when, when we we learned about the guest that's coming on the show, he's, uh, he's been on before talking about the concept of a super agent. That's the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you that I'd be curious to know from the audience feel free to go to morethanmoneyradio.ca mm-hmm. and go to the contact us and let us know what would you rather have mm-hmm. your your mental faculties mm-hmm. or your your physical capabilities mm-hmm. i think i would agree with you i would love mm-hmm. to hear from our audience on that and mm-hmm. maybe our our uh, communications team can put that out on social media and see yep. what the the uh, the audience on yeah, social media is, thinks up. about yep. that as well i think that's, that's going to yep. be great let's talk about super aging mm-hmm. we've got justin slim business development of a Aon future health owner and operator of Slim
2: Fitness as well. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I just have to say, I would agree with both of you. It's my mental faculties that I would hope for when I'm in my 80s and 90s and everything. So let's kick it off with that. You
0: talked about um, super it caught our attention. We're on this segment to talk about being a superager first. What the heck is a superager?
2: Yeah, so a superager is essentially someone who's you know, over the age of 80, who basically has the, the the mental faculties of people decades younger. So we're talking about people in their 50s and 60s, still has the capability to, you know, it, it offset dementia, Alzheimer's, has good memory, focus as well. And the way that they they do this, and what the way that they we kind of figured out the science around this is they would look at brain scans and MRIs, and they would look at some of the concerns that some people were having. And essentially what was happening, it was the thinning of the outer layer of the brain, okay? So super agers don't necessarily get this thinning. And that was what was really interesting. So they were actually, the way that they figured this out is that, they were asking people to donate their brains uh, after their life was over and when they researched that and kind of went into it they, they noticed that there's a super there's one area i think it's called the anterior cingulate which is a part that is important for attention which is also something that's really important for memory as well so super agers really didn't see as much of a decline as like other people within that same age bracket so You know, they were they were remembering a lot more things. They were able to keep up those social relationships that they would have on a regular basis, too. And um, yeah, I I found it really interesting. Was there any um, update
0: on how these individuals were able to become super agers? What was part of their lives that were different than the ones who were not?
2: Yeah, so this, this is really where there needs to be more data and more information collected on this, for sure. But uh, there were kind of some pillars in life that people were really, really congruent. So you were seeing the same things with these super agers as they were getting into their 60s, 70s, 80s, everything like that. So number one, they would challenge themselves physically and mentally throughout their life. Right. So whether that's reading a book on a regular basis or doing the crossword puzzle or making sure that they were really just focusing on learning on a daily basis, as well as pushing themselves a little bit physically as well. So, you know, the, there's a condition called sarcopenia, which is the decline of muscle, which happens at the age of 35. So they were continuing with their physical abilities well into their 40s, 50s, 60s and so on. Now, number two, another pillar that they, they really noticed as well is that social aspects of their lives were a priority it was a primary focus so making sure that they were having you know as, as good relationships as they could with their friends and their family members and keeping up uh, on a regular basis and not letting kind of that um you know post-retirement phase where sometimes people forget to keep those social relationships up so this was another one that they were really focusing on uh, number three, they were also noticing that food, food was a, a big part of it as well. So some of the information that came out of it too is that there's, there's kind of a two-pronged approach to the food that superagers were focusing on. So number one is a Mediterranean diet was, and this isn't inclusive of all super-agers, but they have noticed some, some good data on the Mediterranean diet and also other types of food that help lower blood pressure. So those kind of crucial focusing on that. And then, you know, another thing too, is just making sure that they're living an active lifestyle. Like I talked a little bit earlier about pushing physically and mentally, but overall, just as long as they're staying consistent with um, those things, those were kind of the pillars of health that, that um, we saw with these super agers. Justin, I
0: um, want to give you some, a bit of a heads up. Liana and I are going to be super agers. Mm-hmm. You talk about being mentally and physically pushing the limits. If you ever work with Dave Popovich, you, you definitely have that opportunity then. So we're going to be super agers because we work with him. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to ask, if I want to be a super ager and we want to be super agers, what lifestyle changes should we be making in order to get there?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So right now, I would say that anybody who wants to be a super ager needs to pull back and just realize what is the low-hanging fruit that they can branch onto for these lifestyle changes. So right now, if they're not being physically active, well, what can we do? Is it a 10-minute walk around the block? Is it maybe volunteering at a local soup kitchen or something like that? And, And being actively engaged in your lifestyle is what helps get into that super ager type thing so it's not only physically but it's keeping up those relationships big time and making sure that you're leading like being active in your life and that doesn't necessarily mean physically active but Building your relationships, going out and volunteering, maybe getting a a part-time job if you're retired and you still want to be in the community and things like that. You know, oftentimes when we hit that retirement phase, sometimes it's like, you know what, I've worked for the past 35 years, it's time for me to put my feet up. But I'm not saying that, you know, you don't deserve a uh, uh, well-deserved break. But at the same time, if you will still want to stay actively involved. Find something that inspires you, right? If you're an animal lover, go volunteering at the SPCA or something like that. Or, you know, if you're really passionate about, um, maybe you had a parent who was suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's, maybe you could go to an assisted living home and maybe just help out. And uh, that could go a long way with helping your development um, in, your, in your later years
0: yeah I find that people might take one or the other. they'll do more on the physical they'll, mm-hmm. or they'll be more socially engaged, but they won't do both that balance between the two, Justin as you mentioned. the key question I always have is when do you start? of course, you can't start when you're 80. So when do you start uh, this whole process and this change when do, when should it be when should you kick it into gear?
2: Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the saying the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago, the next best time is today. So there really is no late time to start, even if you're post-retirement, you're 65, you're 55, and you're thinking about leading this active lifestyle, there is no never too late. Obviously, we wanna start as soon as humanly possible, and that could be that lowest effective dose, whether that is just walking around that block, whether that is just a five-minute volunteer, Uh, when you're just in your community, maybe doing a bottle drive or something like that. But, uh, you know, I would just say that it shouldn't discourage people to get started today. Because as we know, as we get into our later years, like there's a lot more than just retirement and and focusing on bills and investments and everything like that. We also have to think about loneliness. We also have to think about our relationships and our kids growing up, being empty nesters. All of that will come into play. But if we take those action steps today, regardless of what age your audience is listening right now, that's going to make sure that you're getting well into your 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, on, a, on a good step, on a good uh, foot forward. Justin, that's been some great information and advice. Thank you
0: so much for joining us today.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: We've been joined by Justin Slim with Aon Future uh, uh, house, Aon Future Health, and he, he is the owner-operator of Slim Fitness. Liana, he, this is an interesting tax case. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it because it's about one piece in particular that have people confused about I think mm-hmm. the one question that we get mm-hmm. where people are most confused is about these medical expenses right. that people get we're getting close to tax time mm-hmm. people have collected their medical tax medical expenses mm-hmm. receipts and so forth they're getting reports from their all their prescriptions mm-hmm. and their and, and their doctors and so forth they've been using and now comes time they're going to give be providing mm-hmm. this information to their accountants and they're looking for that they're calling it a tax deduction mm-hmm. so that's, that's one thing we have to talk about mm-hmm. But there was, an, there was a case that went up to the courts about uh, claiming parking.
1: Right. Parking for medical treatments. Can you claim it under a medical expense?
0: So that was interesting. I didn't know that you could claim more than just the expense of the of that medical transaction. Mm-hmm. But even you can apparently claim. Let's find out more mm-hmm. about this and get all the real details. <laughs> We've got Jamie Golubik, Managing, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, give us the whole story that happened here. Alberta ta- tax case when it comes to medical expenses. What happened here?
3: Yeah, I mean, this case, in my opinion, should never have gone to court because the taxpayer really had no chance uh, to succeed. So, you know, as we already mentioned, like Canadians are allowed to uh, not deduct, but get a credit, a non-refundable credit, both federally and in Alberta, um, for a portion of their medical expenses that exceed uh, a lower of 3% of their net income of the, of the year, uh, and a predetermined amount. And that amount varies um, by province. But basically, you have to spend a minimum of amount of medical expenses, and then you can actually pool your whole family's expenses, you, your spouse or partner, any of your minor children under the age of 18 together, and be able to claim these, these credits, both federally in Alberta. So uh, the normal stuff, as you said, applies, like normal medical expenses. So something that isn't covered by the provincial health plan, uh, maybe you have dental expenses or prescriptions, like anything, right? Uh, Those are obvious medical expenses, right? Things that are just not covered by insurance or by the provincial plan. Then there's less obvious things, right? And one of those could be travel. Now, not just every kind of travel, but they're very, very specific rules. If you have to travel outside of your local area to receive medical attention or some type of medical service that's not available regionally, you may be able to deduct certain costs of travel depending on how far you go and depending on what type of expenses. So there's really two categories. So first of all, for the average person, I would just say that's just going to visit their doctor obviously can't write off any kind of travel expenses not your gas and not your your parking nothing like that however if you seek medical attention at least 40 kilometers away then you can write off the cost of that travel so if you have to take a plane there or if you have to uh you know uh take a train or a taxi something like that Um, but if you want to create other types of things other than the actual um travel itself things like parking, then actually the qualification is 80 kilometers, okay? So that's really a a bright line test. There's no room for discussion. If you travel more than 80 kilometers for medical service, you can deduct any type of travel expenses related to that. So this case, which involved an Alberta couple, in which the wife had to get dialysis treatment three times a week, and she had to drive, uh, I think it was something like 20 kilometers each way, Uh, to get this dialysis three times a week. And she incurred over $800 of parking expenses at the hospital to receive the dialysis. And the husband, who's claiming the medical expenses, um, tried to argue that he should be allowed um, to claim these medical expenses, even though he didn't meet the 80-kilometer test, because that 80-kilometer test, at least in his view, was discrimination. Discrimination against our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. In other words, it was discriminating against people who live less than 80 kilometers and more than 80 kilometers. And this went to tax court and he lost. And I'm not surprised. I would have told him not to waste his time. You can't argue with stuff that's in black and white. And ultimately the judge says parliament has its discretion as confirmed by a Supreme Court decision to decide what benefits and how much to offer. This is not discriminatory because everyone in Canada who lives less than 80 kilometers can't claim this as a medical expense right so this is not discriminatory under the charter this is a valid thing and, and and parliament may have all kinds of reasons to do this one of them being limiting the cost to the fisc they actually say this in the case in other words parliament wants to cap the amount of cost that the government's going to allow as a subsidy effectively for medical expense credit so they put in these arbitrary rules 40 kilometers 80 kilometers to really limit how much people can expense. So this is the right decision. Uh, It's unfortunate for the taxpayer. I sympathize with this couple because this is real out-of-pocket money. And as the taxpayer said, if my wife doesn't get this, she will die. So obviously they needed to park the car. They needed to get the dialysis. Yet our tax code does not recognize that. And that's something to debate with your politicians, with your member of parliament, uh, and maybe make a submission, but it certainly is constitutional. And uh, ultimately, um, they won't. They, they would never have won. And, and it's funny, I've heard from several readers now since that column went out online this week, um, specifically telling me about their stories. One of them was moving expenses where they didn't move 40 kilometers. They also went to court, they lost their case. Um, and the judge says, look, the law is the law, whether it's fair or unfair is not my problem. Um, this is what parliament decided and I have to rule according to the law. So this is a much broader discussion, I think, for anyone. Uh, and we get the question when it comes to like over-the-counter medications, we get it with all kinds of vitamins and minerals and naturopathy and all kinds of stuff that is not necessarily prescribed by a medical doctor. And that's where you uh, you know get into problems. Certainly naturopath stuff does qualify, but some of the homeopath and some of the other stuff Um, Would not qualify and then we've seen cases and and supplements and things like that. They just don't qualify So I think that's in a nutshell what what was happening here When you when you look at
0: all the issues with medical expenses and so forth Do you think that we should have a change in the rules and I'm not even talking about just the 40 kilometer and the 80 kilometer? Should we look at this in a different way that at some point that the taxpayer is going to be paying out-of-pocket more in the future should there be more government programs to help deduct or have credits as they have more and more expenses? Should we open up the, uh, the, the band of how much they can deduct, or, or do you think this is fine the way it
3: is? Look, I think it depends on people's uh, personal situation. Obviously, some people have more or less ability to pay. You have to do remember that most uh, health services in Canada, we're very fortunate, is covered. So almost everything right? Uh, is covered by provincial programs. Uh, we have some new programs now for lower-income people on the dental side, the new Canada Dental Program, which just started, right, for lower-income families to be able to get their kids under the age of 12. That's going to turn out into a, a much larger program going forward for um, seniors. Um, and They're talking now of a PharmaCare program for prescription drugs, but right now Canada has a heavily subsidized question, uh, medical system. So question is, for stuff that isn't covered, um, should you be getting more back uh, than that's currently? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, if the government could afford it, I'd say sure, why not? Uh, but we know that the government has uh, um, obviously run into some issues recently with deficits and uh, there is a federal budget coming up in, in March or April and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if tax rates don't go down but go up. So I'm not sure this is anything that we're going to see in the cards, despite obviously this is obviously a burden for, for some people, certainly for this couple.
0: Uh, We have about a minute left to go, Jamie, your, your advice or tips to our viewers and listeners on when it comes to medical expenses, what should they do to make sure they can maximize their tax savings when it comes to filing their taxes come April?
3: Yeah, the most important thing is throughout the year, collect all those receipts in one place. So like I have a folder already started for my 2023 tax return in which I take any receipts from prescriptions beyond what the you know, the, the health plan pays, any doctor's bills, anything like that, dentists, and I just put it in there. And that way, when it comes to file your tax return in April, you're not scrambling. Uh, you've got a list of that. And just one final tip, don't forget that if you are part of a group plan, um, either through, let's say, Blue Cross or through your work, um, the part that you play as the individual, as an employee, not the part that your employer pays, the part that you pay your private health service plans qualifies as a medical expense. So for example, I'm paying several thousand dollars a year uh, in these expenses to cover me and my wife and the kids on the plan. And uh, I claim that as a medical expense, that's what puts me over that 3% net income uh, and threshold tests. So don't forget that. That's a very valuable, in most cases, unless you've had some kind of private surgery, in most cases, that'll be the biggest expense uh, that people have when trying to meet that 3% threshold. Some great tips, advice,
0: and information from Jamie Golenbeek. Jamie, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. We've been joined by Jamie Golenbeek, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. Leanna, we had a great and challenging conversation On Friday, Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to put this as part of the show because I think it happens more than we know about Mm -hmm. Um, We were chatting in one of the one of the offices about a parent who's concerned about how their adult children are handling their finances within their marriage Mm -hmm. and It was very interesting in this case uh, there was a situation where the the adult, uh, the adult uh, child, the adult child was basically saying, um, "I'm not happy with my financial arrangement with my spouse, mm-hmm. mom and dad."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So mom and dad started to get in the middle of it mm-hmm. and saying, "Okay, who's doing what in the finances, and let's figure this mm-hmm. out by bringing their own viewpoints mm-hmm. in." Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts of of parents getting in the middle of their <laughs> adult children's marriage and finances? <laughs> well,
1: the first question is, I guess, why. Why do you feel the need to get involved? That would be the first question that I ask. Do you think that the kids can't figure it out on their own? Is there some sort of support you're trying to provide them? Or is there another reason that you're thinking that you need to be in the middle of this? That's the first question to ask. I don't know what the answer is in this particular case. But, I mean, my my personal instinct on that to, uh, when you think about it immediately, is I don't think you should be involved. Your adult children are adult children and they're making their own decisions and they're running their own lives. Yeah. But that's hard for some people to accept.
0: I think what makes it hard for people to accept is that when your adult children are acting or behaving in a way that rubs against your value system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I was at a hockey game uh, earlier this week. I I was joined by a a business owner who's, who's got, you know, some, I'll call them teenage children. And we were talking about, you know, I, he said, Faisal, but I, well, I want to take my son to a hockey game and my son just goes, eh, I don't feel like it. And I'm like, this is a hockey game. How mm-hmm. could you not want to go? This is a great experience. Mm-hmm. Not anybody gets to do these th- types mm-hmm. of activities and you're just passing it off. Like I'm offering you something terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and we actually had to have the conversation about how, Generation over generation, Mm -hmm. the word what's normal
2: Mm
1: -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm.
0: So I remember growing up and my parents always saying to me, be thankful you have food on the table. Mm -hmm. And it never really resonated with me because guess what? There was food on Mm -hmm. the table.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I don't think I mentioned to my children today, you should be lucky you have food. There are people dying in the world. That was a phrase Mm -hmm. that was given to me Mm -hmm. when I was Mm -hmm. young their expectation Mm -hmm. is that there's going to be food on the table. Mm -hmm. In fact, their expectation is a lot more that that we're going on trips, Mm -hmm. that we're going to be Mm -hmm. doing. So what was a luxury item for me when Mm -hmm. I was uh, growing up Mm -hmm. or an anomaly Mm -hmm. is normal Mm -hmm. for them. So there's not going to be an emotional reaction.
1: That's right. Well, generations, their expectations stack, right? So every time a parent portion of a generation says I never had this thing growing up so I'm going to make sure my kids have it the kids come to see it as normal they expect it in their lives so you've set the floor a little bit higher then when they become parents they think about the things they didn't have and wish that they had and said I'm going as they say I'm going to make sure my kids have this thing going forward expectation bar gets set a little bit higher and it just continues so it shifts over time, but that also changes your values and what you value personally from what your parents value. There's, there's a generational gap in there and from what your kids will value. So you have to understand if you're looking at you know your adult children's situation that they may not have the same views as you do. They don't value the same things.
0: You know what's one, one interesting value that maybe um, one generation has that the next generation may not have as much. Mm-hmm. Let's use home ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember growing up, my parents telling me, you have to own your own home. You mm-hmm. have to own, don't pay somebody else's mm-hmm. mortgage. Buy your own house. And now we're hearing more than not
2: mm-hmm.
0: parents saying, I want to help my child, mm-hmm. my adult married child. Mm-hmm to buy a home. And I get the economics, it's different today mm-hmm. than it was 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. 40 years ago. I totally get that. And I understand why a parent would want to help. Mm-hmm. I would probably help to mm-hmm. some degree. The 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 question is will they will they see it as an expectation? Mm-hmm. Has the bar been raised mm-hmm. and is it a value of theirs or that's normal? Mm-hmm. And then once once the the adult child receives that home, Mm -hmm. and they act in a different way than you would, Mm -hmm. that rubs up against your value system. Yes, absolutely. And then I see parents get in the middle of it, Mm -hmm. and I I have a hard time with that because I can see the impact on the relationship. Mm -hmm. Forget about the finances. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage our clients, listeners, people who, who reach out to us to encourage to go speak to experts Mm -hmm. let the adult children uh, be adults Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and let them figure it out for themselves what are your thoughts do you think that parents should should encourage the adults to figure out on their own or should they kind of get in the middle and and kind of encourage them in a different way by Mm -hmm. supporting and telling them what to do Mm because it can be in both ways it can be benefits to both
1: Mm -hmm. and there's there is it's kind of a mindset difference out of the shift of these are my kids. I'm, in, I'm responsible for their lives. I'm responsible for what they do to changing to that. They're adults now. They're responsible for what they do. They need to make their own decisions. So there's a difference between guidance of you should go talk to an expert. Maybe here are some experts or the type of experts you should go see versus this is what you should do. This is the only way you should handle it. I'm going to step in and either provide money or support in some other way. You may think that you're helping because you're just giving it to them, but are they actually learning from that experience? Can they then go and repeat that later? If, you know, 30 years down the road, they want to buy a different property and you're no longer around and they've never been through the process of buying or selling a home. Mm -hmm. Are they any better off then because they had a house? But you paid for it, and you did all the work for them.
0: You know some of the fears that parents have is their child going through without. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of you should get a home, you should save for retirement, mm-hmm. you should do this, you should do that, all with good intentions, mm-hmm. and, and and I think that's that's fine until it gets into a point where there is family conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one wants their in-laws meddling in their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I haven't heard one saying I love it. Right um no one wants to experience the fact that there's other people telling you what to do and it's interesting because we encourage our clients to to have their adult children speak to us if they need any financial or or, or advice in any in mm-hmm. any part of their their matters and and we get we get the phone call and it sounds like this it starts off like this <sighs> <laughs> Faisal, uh-huh. my mom told me to call you about retirement savings
1: mm-hmm. Can yeah. you
0: help me? Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. okay? Yeah. And so it, it, it's not, hey, I'm really interested in saving for retirement. Can uh-huh. you, they're not really enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it. They've been like told mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's right off the bat, I go, is that your goal? No, but they're making <laughs> yeah, me do it. Yeah. right? I've got other things on my uh-huh. mind. I want to pay for my kids' education, mm-hmm. buy, a, buy a home, mm-hmm. whatever. you know go on a big vacation, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever their goals are. And it's like opposite to what their parents mm-hmm. are telling them. And I think that's where we start off. And I tell all of the, my clients who say to me, you know, I'm going to have my my son or daughter call you, Faisal. And I, and I say, I'll be honest. If their goals are not your goals, I'm going to work on their goals. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the person who's going to tell them what you want me to tell them. Yes, I'm going to tell them what they need to hear. Yep. And so that's, that's a shift. I think if we encourage people to figure out over time what's best for their own family, Mm -hmm. then you've got happiness. You don't got meddling. You don't got Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. And then there's no resistance. That's right. And there's there's
1: no conflict. If you just have to accept the fact that your values might be different. That's That's where it starts. And that's that's so hard
0: to do. Your values are probably different than your parents. Yep. My values are different than my parents. We share some common ones, Mm -hmm. absolutely, but they're different. I remember when I was younger, my dad said to me, don't buy this car. It's too expensive. There's too much maintenance cost. You should just buy a a basic, you know, Japanese vehicle, stick to it. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine mm-hmm. over the long term. You'll have it for 200,000 kilometers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, basically, leave me the hell alone. It's my uh-huh. decision. Uh-huh. You're not the boss of me anymore, uh-huh. Dad. I make my own money, and well, uh-huh. that didn't go so well, but people can kind of understand <laughs> the problems yeah. with that. Yeah. Liana, these are some of the concerns that individuals have. They want to plan for themselves, but they also want to make sure their family is taken care of. No burden on your family mm-hmm. members When it comes to issues that everybody goes through, we're going to talk about that in our upcoming seminar.
1: That's right. Our next seminar is Tuesday, January 24th at 7 p.m. You can watch it live online, but we would encourage you to join us in person at the Silver Springs Golf and Country Club here in Calgary. Now, in order to register for that, please go to morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: We want to thank you all for joining us for another More Than Money on QR Calgary.